This is Plan B, Episode 12, for June 25th, 2013. Welcome to Plan B, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show contemplating the future and present of Bitcoin with insights for the novice, shop talk for the expert, and opinionated discussion for the interested observer of Bitcoin and related technologies. My name is Chris, and joining me every single week is my co-host, Drew. Hey, Drew. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, hey, hey. So we got a big show this week. Huge show this week, Drew. Episode really? 12. Oh, I, you know, I'm... I didn't even know it was going to happen, but Bitcoin, a lot of things under underneath the surface are in a lot of turmoil this week, Drew. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we, we, we might have a nice, nice, easy week, you know, hey, not too much going on here. A little shorter show, but uh, there's still yeah. a lot of crazy stuff going on. I want to say thanks to our uh, live chat who's joined us on this uh, Tuesday afternoon over at jblive.tv. The price is at 102 right now as we record, and uh, I've been riding the Bitcoin roller coaster. I bought yesterday at 99 and by the end of the day, when I was going to bed, the price had gotten up to 107. And I thought, yes, I made a great buy. I made a great buy. <laughs> Victory. Uh, now today, as we're recording the show, it's down to 101. And uh, we got a few stories in here that, honestly, once we get through this batch of stories, my question probably will be, why isn't it lower? Um, it's kind of, it's kind of <laughs> a testament to Bitcoin that it's as high as it is after we get through the news this week. It's been a kind of a crazy week. But as has become tradition on this show, we should start with the feedback. And uh, our first one, uh, I'll start with, uh, I guess, our first one last. I, don't know, I got them out of order, but it doesn't really matter, I suppose. Uh, Joey sent us a text message, and he said, uh, it's quite, this is quite a lengthy text message. I think that Bitcoin crashes are a good thing. It weeds out non-believers and makes the price cheaper for hoarders. This creates a scarcity and drives value up. Bitcoins needs more hoarders and less speculators. That's kind not, of, much to, not much to add to that, but I agree. You do I mean, agree. See now, uh, it's not really a good thing. Like I don't, I don't like that word. Like it's good that something loses a significant amount of value, and it's good that a lot of people lose, you know, some of their their value in this thing. But I mean, I, I do agree. We're right. shaking out the weaklings. I mean, I agree with that. But I also, I also think we need to keep in perspective that right now we are operating at a point where we're allowing Mt. Gox to arbitrarily, essentially, dictate a price, even though it's being done by the users of the exchange, and this this exchange doesn't even have a way to cash out from it right now so if we do go into a slide it could be the kind of slide that is a lot worse because of the very tenuous situation i don't know if that's necessarily a good thing then again maybe because people can't get their money out they're just going to buy up bitcoins and they're going to spend it on bitcoin you never know it could have that effect too i do agree with the scarcity drives up the value and that's a big reason why the price is where it's at right now is because of the scarcity factor even though there are so many issues with gox and the other exchanges um you know the only problem I have with this philosophy is I think it scares away business. See what I'm because, saying? But like, because the price is, is changing so fluidly? Yeah, like if you're a merchant yeah. and you see the prices just going up and down like this, or if you're CNBC and you're writing or, you know, doing a piece <laughs> it about... It crashed, it crashed uh, again. The crazy Bitcoin ride continues, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, <laughs> you know, you can hear him saying that. Oh, so yeah, definitely. It's not necessarily always a good thing, but I think what Joey's helping us realize is not always necessarily a whole on bad thing either. Uh, uh, here's a here's a return writer. I get to butcher his name for a second time. Piotr 
writes in. He says, hello, I messaged in last week about Bitcoin eruptors. I took a chance and ordered six from a guy on Bitcoin Talk in Holland. After checking his rep, by the way. I just got them installed. Wow, we got them already. I just got them installed on Ubuntu using BFG Miner. These guys run from the panels USB, so you know the ones you got to plug in with long wires into USB slots. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's got like little extenders. Usually there's not enough power to power up the stuff on there. These guys just go full blast. I'm moving them out of there and onto a modified powered USB hub with some fans. Wow. Gonna fa- put but some it, fans on some little USB devices. But check this nice. out. He says goodbye to my two 6990s that were running at 950 watts. And hello, you gorgeous little things that hardly use three watts. How about that? It went from 950 watts to 3 watts. Uh, and then he included some images, too. Um, he says he's using BFG Miner and P2P Pool. That's pretty slick. All right, I'm going to open these up. Let's see what he got. So, he said, so now he's going to work on a modified USB hub. Um, oh, wow. 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 He's getting collectively... He's peaking at 2.5 gigahashes with these things. That is pretty sweet, man. Yeah. All right. All right. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. Let's see. Now uh, he says uh, uh, he includes another screenshot here. Let's take a look. That is actually, I mean, if you figure you went from, I mean, each pulls three watts. So, yeah. I can weren't, see. We, weren't we talking about not that long ago about, you know, how like Bitcoin is destroying the environment by, right. by you know, destroying, you know, like wasting a bunch of electricity. And here we go, all these efficiency measures, like with these ASIC devices that are using tiny, tiny bit of electricity. And, and what external institution imposed these rules that people would have to create devices that, that have these, you know, these better features? I don't right. think any did. Right. No, it was just a matter, it was a matter of market economics. Oh, yeah. Because the, the uh, cheaper it is to run, the more profit you make. Oh, what? I know. It's crazy. It's crazy how that <laughs> happens. Well, these look really cool. He's running them naked. He's got them naked. And uh, they got really bright green LEDs on them. They look really cool. Yeah, they do. They're pretty sweet. Well, Piotr, thanks for sending that in. That is super slick. And, um, you know, three watts is so you, a USB standard USB port. If you've got a good uh, you know, motherboard, should be five volts, right? Or three yep. v- or five watts. I well, I'm getting all uh-huh. mixed up now. But uh, he said the first mine payout of BTC on these things is coming your way soon. Why? Because we're awesome. Wow. Well, thanks, man. That's that's really cool. And then he's uh, included too. We'll have these screenshots if you go over to the show notes and you want to check out this this hardware to see what it looks like. He's included um, some pictures of his modified hub where he's given he had to give it more room so they could all fit in there. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that's awesome, though. So you guys, if, if uh, you audio listeners want to check these out, uh, you can find a link to his email. And his email, he's got he's got pictures of all this stuff. That is so cool. I like I like getting pictures of people's hardware, and that makes me want to get out there and do it. Oh yeah. All right, our last email of the day. Wait, did I open up? Did you send? Did you put Joey's email in here twice, or did uh, I just open it up? No. Damn it, Drew, you're ruining everything. <laughs> I kid. I just opened He's it the up first. twice. Oh wait. Lee. Lee writes in and he says, "Hi, Chris. Hi, and Drew. Of course, I was wondering oh. if, in your vast array of contacts, you had any information on the actual delivery time of the Butterfly Labs miners." I asked because I recently lost my job and I was hoping to use some of the money I got to mine for bitcoins to generate an equivalent amount of money to my monthly wage. Boy, wouldn't we all? That's I've, a ballsy move. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, well, we're desperate. I've done my calculations, and I would need 20 gigahashes of mining power at current difficulty levels. I know this uh, won't always last, but I also plan to increase the gigahash rate, rate as and when necessary to maintain the level I need. 20 gigahashes cost at uh, 1,130 from Butterfly Labs for the device. So he kind of does the math here. He basically says he thinks he can get about $36 a day in 30 days. Hmm. 
Um, he says, my only concern is that I stated delivery potentially taking up to two months as this is the last wage and with, no oh boy, oh boy. <laughs> he says he's going on his, on his last paycheck. I've considered trading Bitcoins, but it wouldn't make enough to support me and my family. Also, I wanted to ask you what your thought was on Bitcoins as a stimulus package if more shops started accepting them. The economy isn't great and I'm in the UK. I read about discussions at the Bank of England about stimulus packages being rejected for one reason or another. I'd like to think that if those mining Bitcoins were able to spend some of them locally, we wouldn't need the government to do the big stimulus as we as society would become the stimulus package and help improve the economy ourselves. Oh, I don't think Bitcoin has quite the footprint to do that yet. But, um, boy, Lee, you're yeah, going to be waiting. I, I ordered their 30 giga hash unit back at the beginning of 2013, and I'm still waiting. Do they tell you like what what order you're in? Yeah. At, at least imply like Goxwood, you know, back in the day. No, nope, just saying uh, processing is all it says in the order status. Now I have seen um, more and more posts online of people getting their fives. The five- it seems there seems to be shipping out like a, a higher degree at least, yeah. you know, greater consistency. You know, I don't know it freaks me out. Like I, I was when I when I first discovered like Asics were coming out and all that. I went to Butterfly Labs and looked at everything, and I was like, oh, this is great, and it's like you know, add a car, but then you know you realize that you have to wait forever you don't know when that forever is going to be you don't know how many people are already in front of you so that that's that's the scary part because if you don't know then you're talking about a lot of dollars lost in the meantime the other thing is they're not the only asic game in town you got right. avalon and others and these and you got those usb eruptors the difficulty rate's going to be going up at a rate that we've never seen before probably it's going to be crazy yeah i'm sure it's going to be crazy and uh, first of all, I, you know, <clears throat> he in his math here, he, I don't see his calculus for power consumption, and I don't know what his power situation is. Um, and with when you consider the fact that difficulty rates going up, and that the fact that the Bitcoin price, you know, he's also kind of banking that the cost of Bitcoins, he's saying he figured them to be around 109, which would give him about $2,700 in a 48-day period. That's all right. Well, it's the price is at 101 right now. And there's yeah. nothing to say it's going to go up to 109 again. Now, well, I certainly hope so. That's why I bought at 99, <laughs> obviously. And the scarcity helps with that. Um and I wonder I wonder as the difficulty rate goes up if if we might have a, a higher period of scarcity for a little while. I guess not because it's only going to go up as long as new coins are coming out. But Oh man, Lee, I, I just I would say you got to reconsider this. You're, you're gonna if first of all, if you're gonna make money off Bitcoin right now, you're probably gonna make more money off of selling because there's a lot of arbitrage between exchanges with the current uh, state of exchanges. You can buy on say Camp BX uh, for for ninety eight dollars right now, and you can sell on Gox for one hundred one. And sometimes that's just, you know the, the difference is m- much much greater than that, and that's what a lot of Bitcoin traders are doing. It's an interesting strategy, but it's kind of a pain. It's got to be a pain. Yeah, and when and in order to make money on that, you got to figure what your uh, what your fees are, and and then you also got to probably have a significant enough volume to make it worth it. So, right. uh, but you could, you got it, but you can always start small. You know, that is one that is one thing is you can you don't have to even trade in full bitcoins. You can start small and sort of build up a little trading pool. I have kind of been in where Lee's mind is, is where it's like maybe, you know, my situation, my financial situation is really bad, and maybe Bitcoin can be the salvation to this, but it's just too new still. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't go all out, you know, dropping that much money on that. I mean, because eh, I don't know, it's too risky. I think the best way to make Bitcoins for cheap right now is to offer a service in Bitcoin. Yep, yep. You know, if it's contracting, if it's consulting, if it's whatever, whatever. If it's goods, services, if it's, you know, being the local Thai food delivery guy and just exchanging Bitcoins and, you know, just doing it all by hand, uh, 
you know, that's where your money right now, I think, is to in making Bitcoin because then, you know, you can you can make for for whatever that cost is and then just sit on it and hope the value goes up. I don't know. I don't know, Drew. But look, if you'd like to give us some feedback and tell us what you think about what uh, these folks wrote in or if you'd like to ask us a question or put something on our radar, you can email the show plan B at jupiterbroadcasting.com or hit the contact link at the top of the Jupiter Broadcasting website or even better. Call us, 1-352-587-5262, or send us a text like uh, Joey did, 1-352-587-5262, that's 1-352-58-PLAN-B. And uh, we'll like, you know, we haven't gotten a voicemail in uh, a couple weeks. Gosh, Drew, come on, folks, come on, folks, jeez, jeez. You know what we have gotten, though, and I want to say, I want to say thank you to everybody, is... uh, We've gotten um, a steady trickle of, uh, you know, not huge donations, but like micro micro transactions of people saying, you know, thanks for the show. I, I, I think it's we're almost up to like a to maybe two bitcoins total now. Oh, pretty nice. nice. So, uh, you know, it's just it's a great way for people to say thanks. And it's it's especially appreciated right now because we're upgrading both the audio and video hardware in the Jupiter Broadcasting Studio and thousands of dollars i'm sitting here thinking man i wish i could pay for some of this equipment in bitcoin and i've actually identified a few of the things for the studio that i think i can buy in bitcoin so your bitcoin if you i'm going to try to actually buy stuff for the studio with bitcoin you know because for me it seems like the best way like if we receive donations to keep it moving right yeah and to get it back out there to kind of get it back out in the Bitcoin economy. So the show kind of becomes a promoter of Bitcoin in that sense. But also, and this is completely selfish, is I don't know for sure, but I think the tax implications are different if I'm not taking it as profit. Because I'm never, oh, I'm so never cashing them in, right? I'm never cashing them in. I'm just... You're just exchanging it. Right. So you don't have to pay taxes on, on the... You know, I don't know, yeah. but that's how I'm treating it. So that's, why I'm, <laughs> that's, what I, that's kind of my plan for the Bitcoin donation. So if folks out there uh, want to help out the show and the other shows as well, uh, there, there are uh, QR codes and links embedded in the show notes. You go over to jupiterbroadcasting.com and uh, you can uh, contribute to the show and it helps us go on. Drew, I'm going to call up our uh, our first guest. Hi, Donica. Welcome to the show. How's it going? Welcome. Very good. So, you know, we called you up because you had a very interesting blog over at uh, Donica. Am I saying that right? Donica? Yeah, Donica. Yep. .is, D-O-N-N-C-H-A dot I-S. And uh, you wrote about some uh, discoveries you made while sort of poking at Coinbase. And Coinbase is a sort of an exchange, or I don't know if that's the right term, but they're an online wallet that lets you buy Bitcoins that Drew and I talk about all the time. And you kind of found a few soft spots over on Coinbase, right? Um, yeah, I did. I found um, four different distinct vulnerabilities. Um, and luckily for them, they run a, a White Hat program where they'll pay um, Bitcoin bounties for anyone that reports uh, security vulnerabilities to them that they can patch before they're disclosed. So um, how did that work? Did you now, because here's why, here's what, here's what stood out to me is a lot of times when somebody out there finds a vulnerability in, in an exchange or, or, or an online Bitcoin wallet, they take advantage of it by exploiting that to rob people, to, uh, you know, grab usernames and passwords. Did the Coinbase's uh, uh, bounty program, did that sort of nudge you in the right direction or were you already kind of going to go down the white path hat result? A path regardless of any bounty program what was sort of your motivation there why not make more money i guess is my question um like i definitely would have disclosed them to anyways but the only reason i started really um kind of exploring coinbase is because a friend referred me to their their bounty program and like anyway i can get some some bitcoins <laughs> as most of your listeners um 
It's a good way to make some bitcoins. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So, um, and it's something I enjoy doing. So I just had started looking around, and like very quickly within a few uh, within maybe twenty minutes, I found uh, the first vulnerability and just fired them off an email. Uh, within about an hour, they had said they uh, they found it and they were going to fix it and deploy it within a couple of hours. And then I got my uh, first five bitcoins. So that's extra motivation to kind of keep looking, see what else was, was on their side. Oh, I see. So you found yeah. that first one, and then once you got the bitcoins, you're like, all right, let's see what else is here. And so they were pretty cool about it. It sounds like. Yeah, no, they were really good. In that. Their team was uh, very quick to fix it. Um, so it was just a cross-site scripting vulnerability sure. that could potentially allow someone to take over an account by uh, directing um, a logged in user to a malicious page. You could you know, withdraw their bitcoins over by them by using JavaScript. Um, sorry, go on. Are there other exchanges or like any other like uh, Bitcoin service providers that, that have a white or like a bounty program like this that you know of? I've, I've had a look around and so far it just seems to be uh, Coinbase that are running a white app program like this. And then there's lots of other um, sites like Google and Facebook that have pretty established um, bounty programs. Did you get any contact from Coinbase or any uh, sort of communications that said, ah, thanks for the help, but we kind of wish you hadn't publicized this? Um, no, no, they were, they were very helpful. Um, they just asked for um, some time to patch one or two of the issues that were going to take a while longer because it, it involved like deploying new versions of their uh, mobile app. So um, I was happy to help them out with that. And um, yeah, they're happy enough to disclose it. And it, sh- I think it shows um, that they do care about security. Um, I'd be more worried if there was somebody trying to like hush it under the, you know, hush it under the blanket, hush it under the carpet. That um, yeah, it's just good that they. They're happy enough to get the clothes and get them passion. Get you know, yeah, I agree, and I applaud you for uh, not only um, you know find I mean, so essentially by finding this cross uh, cross site scripting vulnerability, you found a way to get access to people's accounts if you could get them on on a landing page, and that would have been a great way to make money. And instead, you went to them and and talked about this. And I think this is sort of a trend that would be massively beneficial to the Bitcoin community because so many people out there are exploiting this stuff for their own benefit. But I think part of the secret sauce here is it sounds like Coinbase was, was was really cool about not only just having this bounty program, but how they kind of how they kind of worked with you. And like in total, you got paid out like eleven bitcoins, right? Um I got sixteen bitcoins in total for um, oh. so it's just, when, when you're a student and you're just procrastinating from uh, studying for exams, fifteen uh, sixteen bitcoins isn't too bad. No, that's awesome. So what are you gonna do with the bitcoins now that you've earned them? Are you gonna cash them out and uh, buy yourself something nice? Or are you gonna hold on to them and see if they accrue value um, or Yeah, I'm just gonna hold on to them for now. I'm a, yeah. I'm a bit of a Bitcoin believer now and when it came yeah, for free or you know, for very little work I had I don't feel too much at risk. Yeah. Rather than if I was investing a lot of my own, you know, fiat into it. So um, it's going to hold on from now and it gets me like kind of foot on the, the Bitcoin market and gets me, um, keeps me interested in it. Yeah. Well, uh, Donica, thanks for coming on. And, and the write-up over at Donica.is is fantastic. We'll have a link to that in the show notes. And, uh, you know, keep us posted on your uh, future endeavors if you find other sites out there that uh, have issues like this. And uh, if you ever need uh, help getting the word out about something, just let us know, okay? Well, thank you very much, uh, Chris and True. Thank you. All right, man. Thanks for joining us. Uh, you're in Ireland, right? Uh, yeah, I'm just in Dublin. Dublin, yeah. It's a little, little after t- 10 or 11 there? Uh, just a little after 10. Very good. But um, I'm happy enough to do any kind of um, security reviews uh, of sites for Bitcoin. I'm just in trying you know, to provide some services for Bitcoin. Yeah. Try and get more, go in, get more into it. Yeah, so, very good. Well, we'll be watching. I'm, I'm following you on Twitter too, so I'll, I'll keep tabs on what you're doing. Well, thank you very much. All right, man. Have a great rest of your day or evening. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. 
there you go, Drew. I just wanted to kind of cover that because I thought, uh, how great was it that you know he he could have he could have gotten access to people's Coinbase's Coinbase accounts. And, yeah, uh, so yeah, he, he can just start transferring money from people's bank accounts into their thing there. Yeah, uh, and uh, I, as somebody who just bought on Coinbase yesterday, <laughs> <laughs> I want to say, you know, I appreciate how Coinbase handled this whole thing, and it encourages me to recommend them on our show. Absolutely, yeah. Because I feel like that is completely the appropriate way to handle that. And so, you know, from the talks that they had at the Bitcoin 2013, I think it was like an interview. I forget what, you know, we, we got an in, we got insights into how they're trying to comply with the law from the financial regulation standpoint. And now we kind of have insights on how they manage the security standpoint of things. Because Coinbase is not only a way to buy and sell Bitcoins, but they also offer merchant tools and Bitcoin wallet services. So, you know, security is paramount. Um, yep. Very good. Very, very good. All right, Drew, while we're talking about uh, security, there was a DDoS attack against the Bitcoin network that nobody really knew about this week. <laughs> In fact, we only really found out about it because some of the, uh, well, there's now actually a new version of the Bitcoin QT wallet, but also uh, members of the core Bitcoin development team uh, came out. Uh, Coindesk was one of the first sites to run this story. They got an email from Jeff uh, Garzik. He's currently dealing with an ongoing network-wide event, he said in an email to Coindesk. Last Friday, they announced they're going to be releasing the upcoming 0.8.3 release of the reference implementation. This was going to fix a denial-of-service attack that affected some network nodes, but then they didn't give any details on that. When pushed and asked, you know, said, is this a 51% attack? What's going on? He said, no, no, 51% tax are extremely costly and difficult to mount. As, and they're the lowest worry on my list. Operationally, network attacks are far cheaper. Any smart attacker is going to go and go after the nodes. And he kind of hinted that it wasn't miners that were being attacked, but it was the nodes on the network who are just processing transactions but not doing any mining, not taking any fees. Essentially, they're just nodes offering their services to the benefit of the network. Well, now that the actual release has been out and the Bitcoin QT code is open source, it's up on GitHub, I went and had a look and uh, it looks like there was a messaging mechanism that would check for a new message every 10 seconds and, or it was every 15 seconds, I can't remember. And on these nodes that weren't actually mining, it, on, on those nodes that had low, low memory on, in the system, it would exhaust all of the memory and crash them. And then it was causing, these crashes were causing delays in confirmations throughout the network. So, and I was seeing some threads. I was seeing some threads where people were saying, hey, I've, I've, I haven't had a confirmation in like X amount of time. This is ridiculous. What's going on? And I thought, ah, <laughs> uh, you know, somebody just didn't put a fee in there or something, right? Right. But maybe this is what was going on. I guess it's been going on for the last few days, and they kind of quickly worked on it. Gavin, and of course, lead uh, Bitcoin developer, um, he's getting ready to go on a trip. And so he was banging this code out at sort of the last minute to sort of get this fixed because uh, it was being actively exploited. And uh, kind of, in my mind, speaks to the resiliency of the Bitcoin network that it was apparently under a DDoS attack, and most of us didn't even notice. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, I had, I had no idea until <laughs> no. just today. <laughs> no, so uh, that's why uh, the uh, Bitcoin QT wallet and Bitcoin D versions uh, 0.83 have been released. They solved this problem. Probably a good idea to update. And uh, what's interesting, too, is the core development team has already worked with certain nodes that were having the issue and already gotten them to upgrade. Like, they kind of, like... I don't being know. proactive about going they, like, reaching out to these guys. Yeah, like upgrade, there's right? certain there was a certain group that they're like, no, we got to ninja upgrade you right now because you're a big part of the problem. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I think it's uh, I think it's probably just worth noting. Folks need to do some upgrades. You can go find links to that in the show notes. Um, and we have uh, we have uh, a, a couple of stories that go together this week, Drew. 
They're not very good, are they? No. So <sighs> let's start. Let's start with. Uh, Let's start with uh, the good guys over at Bitspend. Now, I, I, I've never used Bitspend, but we've had a couple of emails from folks that said, hey, have you heard of Bitspend? They're the service that lets you buy essentially anything with Bitcoins. They're sort of like a Bitcoin buy proxy. Their slogan is, you know, no price is too high or low. Well, uh, Bitspend has been sort of cut off at the knees. Chase Bank sent them a note saying, your account will be reviewed to decide whether the source of deposits is legitimate and will decide within 30 days if we will be returning any or all of your money. Um, they've shut down uh, all financial services to Bitspend. And what's crazy is then I guess Bitspend has a smaller bank they work with too. They then got a notice from that bank that they'd be shutting down all financial services with Bitspend. There must be a memo going around to all these banks or something, right? Very if interesting, right? If you're doing anything right? with Bitcoin, yeah, you know. Right, just well. Like, just like with the, you know, what they're all doing with uh, WikiLeaks and and uh, like PayPal and MasterCard. Very and, much so. You know, preventing yeah. everything. Seems like there's some, there might be some strong arming by the banking industry in the background starting to recognize a potential threat to their little uh, monopoly on the system. Maybe? It seems like it. I mean, it, you know, what's funny is, so uh, when Dual, when DHS uh, got involved and cut off Dewala from Gox, I think our title was like, uh, then they fight you or something like that, right? Yep, yep. Um, and we got a little, we got a little crap. In some of the forums and in the Bitcoin subreddit for being reactionary and saying, oh, these guys are freaking out and saying, that, you know, that the sky is falling. That's not what we were saying. But I, no. I think our point was, is that that was sort of the first shot. Yeah. Prepare for battle. Exactly. Much. And I think they are not. Yeah, they're, they're coming. You know, there, there's going to be a lot of this stuff like continuously through the future. And, and now it's round two now. So uh, this is just this was just uh, posted in the Bitcoin subreddit. I haven't seen stories with this. So. I haven't seen confirmed from multiple sources. This could be complete crap. But let's just read this. Citibank would no longer process any transfers to Mt. Cox due to an association with Liberty Reserve. This is from uh, Andonia on the uh, Bitcoin server. He says, I just had an interesting call from a New Zealand bank, Kiwi Bank. They were calling to let me know that international wire template I had set up for transferring uh, his money into Gox would be canceled. Citibank processes all of Kiwi Bank's international wire transfers. And it was under the instruction that all transfers to Gox be ceased. The reason given was due to Mt. Gox's association with Liberty Reserve, who are undergoing investigations surrounding drug trafficking finances. This is as much info as the woman calling could give me. I'm not sure whether Citibank processes other New Zealand bank wire transfers. Also, certainly not my preferred funding method anymore. So according to this, Citibank is saying we're not going to do international wire transfers into Gox. Because, because, and they and they cite what I love is they cite money laundering for drugs. Yeah, in association with within, with groups that are identified as possibly having conducted money laundering, just being associated with them. Meanwhile, right? meanwhile, meanwhile, the executives of HSBC go yeah. free, right? But I mean, Bitcoin was all for drugs and all for money laundering. Everybody else is legitimate, right? Because they're being regulated, and fact, they have they have all these guys that are working these millions of dollars and these hundreds of pages of documentation that sets these rules for how these companies have to operate, how these banks have to operate. I thought, uh, I thought they were all regulated and all protected like that. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. So it's on record. This is on record. Now uh, they got like almost a two billion dollar fine for this. HSBC. That was their slap on the wrist. But they, they, they were responsible. Here we go. Okay, they paid $160 million as a probe fee for, are you ready for this? Mm -hmm. They were responsible for transferring 619, no, that's how much they paid. No, where is it? 680 
Yeah, for wire transfers, I think, right? Yeah, it was six. It was what was the number? I'm trying to find the number in this article. It was like six hundred eighty billion dollars in yeah, drug money almost, they transferred. I'm pretty sure that's almost right, and, yeah. and a couple other billion in cash. So they're they're yeah. HSBC included the inability to properly monitor fifteen billion in bulk cash transactions between mid two thousand six and two thousand nine. Um, they cited inadequate staffing as the uh, cause of that. Uh, HSBC ignored risk doing business within countries such as Mexico, um, and they uh, d- they were uh, found for dealing with banks directly tied to uh, the Mexican drug cartels. Amazing. I mean, this is amazing. Uh, between 2007 and 2008, HSBC's Mexican operations moved $7 billion into the bank's U.S. operations. So they moved from Mexico $7 billion of that drug money into the HSBC U.S. operations. Um, and so, you know, when you're moving around that kind of money, I mean, okay, so here's the ironic thing, Drew, is them shutting down these these different ways to fund Gox shows us that they are capable of tracking even the most smallest dollar amount. Because we were talking $15 billion they supposedly couldn't track, but yet they can track probably a few million. That's such bullshit. Yeah, yeah. It's obviously they're going after Bitcoin. It's not about... And they're sending them for being associated with Liberty Reserve, right? Because right. they, they were it was like a funding mechanism. So this bank who is doing hundreds and billions of dollars in transactions that are that are um, you know could be money laundering. What uh, have they been shut down? Have all their funds been seized? Yeah, here we go. So, the, so the grand totals it was six hundred eighty billion in cartel money, and then they also uh, they also failed to monitor um, nine point four billion in cash transactions between all the different Mexico bank operations. Amazing, and they ended up only paying 1.9 billion in fees back in December of 2012. And I'm sure that went to a great cause. Yeah, um, and then on top of all of this, which is just like, when does it? When does when does it? When is Gox going to get a break? Uh, talk about getting Gox blocked. Uh, statement regarding temporary hiatus on U.S. dollar withdrawals. This is actually from the official Gox blog. I will give them props for props is due. At least they're actually communicating now. That's oh a, wow, that's yeah. a step up, right? Pat on the back. The wording here is really strange. Over the past few weeks, Mt. Gox has experienced rising volumes of deposits and withdrawals from established and upcoming markets interested in Bitcoin. This increased volume has made it difficult for our bank to process the transactions smoothly within a timely manner and has created unnecessary delays for our global customers. This is especially true for those in the United States who are requesting wire transfer withdrawals from their accounts. This is such crap. Yeah, I don't buy it. No, Gox Gox volume is at a six-month low, okay? They are getting shut down. They're getting shut down. That's what's going on here. And maybe they have to, maybe, maybe they're, so they've, they mentioned in some sort of side statement, they're now manually processing transactions, whatever that means. Oh. And that's why they shut down the U.S. transaction because that's like, you know, the majority of their transactions. So they shut down their busiest avenue for transactions just so that way they can manually process the other country's transactions. And the way this, the way this piece is kind of written is it's kind of written like a, hey, y'all, Mt. Gox is just so popular that we're suffering from our own success and we just got to get things under control. That's, yeah, that's what they're trying to present. You know, dude has experienced rising volumes of deposits and withdrawals. I'm sure that's, that's the only reason. That's such crap. With such Just crap. demand. Uh, they say, we, look, we, look, we apologize for any inconveniences this caused our U.S. customers in the meantime and look forward to resuming withdrawal services as well as debuting a dramatically improved trading engine which will be launching very soon. How can they have any kind, how can they even give us any kind of a time estimation to resolve this problem? And, and second of all, isn't Gox's bank, I don't remember the name of it now, but isn't it like one of the largest banks in Japan? Like how can these people not be able to handle, there's no way Gox is their largest customer. Oh yeah, definitely. No, it doesn't, it seems like they're, they're trying to weasel away and find different means for like pay mechanisms and they're trying to, 
I don't know, something must be going on with, with their with their the banks that they utilize that they might be doing similar things to what we've seen in just the art, you know, articles previous where they're kind of some funny business is going on with these banks that are associating with these Bitcoin uh, service providers and exchanges. Yeah. You know, and we talked uh, last week with the uh, the the uh, the guys that were doing the uh, distributed uh, Bitcoin exchange. Mm-hmm. Uh, that sounds it's not a peer to peer exchange, but it sounds like an interesting solution. We are still. We, we, you know, I, I know I maybe I'm just being super impatient here, but we are not seeing a peer-to-peer solution to replace Gox. And Gox is like, my perception of Gox, and hopefully I'm way wrong on this, but my perception of Gox is it is a zombie. It is a zombie walk-in, and people are treating it like it's, uh, what's that What's that movie where the guys get the dead guy and they go party at the beach? Oh, uh, Weekend at Bernie's? Yeah, it's Bernie. Mal Gox, is, we're all hanging out with Bernie, <laughs> acting like Bernie's alive, taking him out to dinner, having girls over, you know. sunglasses on. We're letting it set our price. You know, we're all going by the Gox price still. And but yeah, meanwhile, that's, that's, meanwhile, it's it's dead man walking. I mean, first of all, the good. DHS wants the CEO. Now, if they're going to get him, I don't know. But probably, probably, yeah, we got a pretty good relationship there when it comes to that stuff friendly. with Japan. Oh, yeah. So it's time to talk about other alternatives to Gox, I say. What do you say, Drew? Uh, I, yeah, I agree. I'll, but there was, a, there was a thing that I got an email from. Uh, um, oh, yeah. The, kind of fits the, in with all of this, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, it does. Exactly. So I got an email on the mailing list for Bitcoin commodities or like a, you know, where you can buy and buy like a bunch of precious metals and stuff with Bitcoins. Oh, nice. The dude's based over in Europe. And I have purchased stuff from there from in the past. Um, if it's made illegal to possess silver, then no, I did not. <laughs> um, make that make that order right but no especially not recorded in a podcast illegal for me to own <laughs> a piece of metal then i didn't do this and i didn't say this but and we live in really a crazy world when it, you know well, of course it's illegal for you to own a plant that can grow in the ground so it makes sense it could be illegal to own metal i suppose yeah anything anything goes so this email uh said that um so bitcoin commodities was pricing their their cart and basically all their goods on the mount gox price right but after the whole the whole deal with with Gox, uh, you know, disabling your ability to, to deposit or withdraw through the, through like uh, wire transfers and all that, they switch the mechanism by which they measure or determine the price of Bitcoin, and it has a lot of technical stuff that I don't quite understand. But what the gist that I get from it is that they're essentially combining um, a bunch of prices across multiple exchanges. Yeah, and so all these exchanges are are being averaged. So. We so I mean I I really hope that this kind of thing become, becomes pervasive because the idea that a, a a single institution and an exchange is basically the like the forefront and and the, the the means by which the price of Bitcoin for basically everybody is determined that single point of failure it co- goes against you know the the Bitcoin principles kind of you know the the whole operation of that but so I, I would I would hope that a lot of these that maybe because BitPay. Um, did this temporarily. So I hope it becomes something permanent because I think that'll be very beneficial, very beneficial because it's something like that has a ton of volume that, that, you know, is very, very popular. Like Mt. Gox has some kind of hacker, they go down. I mean, yeah. if, if they are the means by which we're all priced, then that's a lot of negative publicity. But if you're kind of obfuscating all these things by combining prices across multiple exchanges, you, you got a much more stable well, price for wouldn't this. Wouldn't that. this be an interesting world? So your commodities people, so what, what essentially what it is, is it's BitPay. BitPay is now doing this three exchange averaging, right? Yep. And so wouldn't it be interesting? BitPay is obviously the leader right now in merchant payment systems, in you know, point of sale systems. Coinbase is, is there too, but you know, BitPay, BitPay is really pulling ahead here and really doing a, a bang up job at that too. Uh, you know, I've signed up as a business with BitPay and I've looked at some of their features and they've got some great stuff. Wouldn't it be interesting? Maybe this is never going to, no, this would never be the case. Never mind. I was going to say, wouldn't it be interesting if eventually the price was set by BitPay itself? based on what everybody was just sort of spending Bitcoins at, and it just sort of 
the system just sort of set its own price based on transactions actually happening with Bitcoin, but that's not how commodity, that's not how it's, it's never going to work like that. Um, I say good for BitPay, time to get off the gox sauce. Yeah, a lot of people need to do that because this whole gox thing is stupid because they're obviously going down in, in a very, very light flames, <laughs> but it doesn't seem like, it doesn't look good for them. So that'll be a ton of negative publicity because we're still, you know, everybody's still focused on the gox. Like that's what everything is priced in. If everything is priced in across multiple exchanges, everything's much more stable. There's less volatility. There's much less meat for all the mainstream media to go after, you know, yeah. just freaking out with these crashes or right. any kind of exploit on these sites. So speaking of different exchanges, I want to tell you a couple that I've been checking out recently. Um, there's two that I like. Uh, I, th I think one is a little more U.S. centric than the other. And they've been, they've been kind of, they've, they've been kind of not holding up to the traffic as people are moving over. Gox is now down to like 80, 79% market share. Which is great, right? It's and it's been dropping there. It even uh, the other day, they had a file system error on like I guess they're a one Linux box and they were down for a while because they had to do a, a file system check. Oh, but oh. yeah, but during that day, like they dropped to fifty percent of the market share. So yeah. that was good. But so I want to tell you about the two that I've been playing with uh, lately. The one that I think is a little more international focused and very clean too. I really like the look of it. Um, is Bitstamp Bitstamp.net, and they have a really nice UI. They have an order book that is a little basic, but if you know how to read order books, it's just all right there. You can see all of the asks and you can see the, um, you know, the bids just in a, a little long list kind of gives you an idea of the depth and, and what people are willing to pay for stuff. Um, different funding options that you might expect. Like if you go over here to the, uh, to the funding area, they they'll take uh, wire transfers and stuff like that. And of course now I'm flashing my login ID on the page. The other <laughs> one I want to talk about though is camp BX and uh, campbx.com, this is the one that's been a little hot, a uh, little slower under the load, I think. They're U.S.-based. I think they work for anybody, but they're, they're, they're kind of their big selling point is they're, is they're uh, U.S.-based. And they also promote sort of an instant Dwala transfer method. I don't know how it works. Like, you probably have to have money in your Dwala account, but if you do, they supposedly allow you to instantly fund with Dwala, which I know is an old method you used to use, Drew. Yeah, back in the day. Yeah. Back in the day. Back in the day. They've also got money orders and personal checks you yeah they have, give you a couple different options you like have to have a verified it, account but you can use personal checks yeah once you verify they give you a lot more options and a lot more flexibility you can take, I almost went with them but you can uh, take out via Dewala you can withdraw via Dewala you can withdraw via ACH transfer domestic wire or even a USPS money order it's a pretty big fee on that one though yeah oh yeah and you can pay with, with money orders which is really cool so you don't have to associate your bank account with, with them you know oh yes that is cool let's go buy money on our boom smack I, it over there Hey. I I didn't that didn't click with me. I get it. Yeah. I get it. So Camp BX is uh, it's it's supposedly they say they have a they they say that their front end is maybe a little slow, but their back end trading engine is isolated and 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 wicked fast. They say and, and it doesn't have any problem holding up. I haven't used it a ton yet. I actually haven't bought anything on either one of these. I've just set up accounts and I'm I'm in the process of getting my accounts verified and all that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, I'm I'm trying to break the Gox habit. I'm trying to break yeah. It. Let's all break that together. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. In fact, hold on. You know what I'm going to do right now, Drew? Hold on. Stand by. I'm going to make it official on the uh, video version of the Plan B show. Mm -hmm. Our price will no longer come from Mt. Gox. I'm going to, oh. we, we just talked about Camp BX. I'm going to set it to Camp BX. Boom. Hold on. Bam. We're now at Camp BX price. No, it's a little cheaper. Let's see what... Uh, <laughs> Well, that's all right. It's okay. Let's see. And Bitstamp. Bitstamp is... Yeah, we'll go with Bitstamp. Bitstamp is $98. <laughs> there you go, <laughs> Drew. We're no longer going by the Mt. Gox price on the Plan B ticker. We're, Nobody's got to take a stand. We're taking a stand. That's right. We're being bold. Uh, and then I, I also thought I'd talk about a couple of Android apps because a lot of Android apps 
are using the Gox price. And I got a couple on my phone. They're cool. I admit it. I installed a couple this week for you guys. So that way I could tell you which ones I like the most. Um, in fact, uh, the first one is probably my least favorite of the bunch. <laughs> I like how I say I tried all these and then I'll tell you. I'll tell you the ones that way you don't have to. But let me tell you about the worst one first. Um, and it's not even that bad. It's just compared to the other one. It, so it's called, uh, compared to the other ones, it's kind of has, it's, it's kind of not the prettiest UI, but it's called Bitcoin Exchange Rate Mining. And it's it's a combo. Uh, you can st- check on the state state of your miner, but it also pulls in the order books for all the different exchanges. It really gets all of them. It even gets Ripple price in there and all that kind of stuff. So I like that. So I can monitor all of the exchanges. Of course, it pulls in Gox, but it also pulls in all the different currencies, gives you their one day, seven day, and 30 day in one screen. So you can be on the go and try to make your uh, important uh, decisions. And then, of course, you can check on the status of your miner and it gives you graph charts on your overall hash rate and stuff like that. Not cool. a bad one. I think it was free, too. It's cool so, to have all in one like that. Yeah. Yeah. If you're a miner, that's probably the one I recommend. If you, But see, I'm not mining anymore. So I right. was... Not until I get my butterfly labs whenever that ships. Um, so, okay. then So then there's another two that I got. And all these will be linked in the show notes for you guys. Um, let's see. It's called Bitcoin Alerts. And can you guess what Bitcoin Alerts does, Drew? It alerts you about something related to Bitcoin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it does. It does. And there's uh, there's two in here. Uh, one only does Gox. So I'm just going to... I'll just cover that one really quickly because it has a very nice UI. Probably one of the best UIs I've ever seen on a Bitcoin app. And it lets you set the price you want to be alerted at when it's at a certain price point, like when it goes that. below a certain price point, and when there's just a certain movement in a direction. And I've, you, woken up, I've woken up in the middle of the night to make some trades, you know, at random by looking at the price on my little tablet. That's pretty cool. Well, set, what's, set what's, nice, alarm, right? what's nice is you can tell not to wake you up in the middle of the night. You can say oh. during the day, alert, man, you can set different tones for different price events and stuff like that. And, you know, it's got a very clean UI to it, but it only right now follows the Gox price. It also is going to have a fee associated with it, but they're also planning to introduce a lot more features. So this one could be one to watch because I think they're going to introduce a lot more stuff. The other one that's I like, and it's free, but there's a upgrade version. Bitcoin twenty four seven, and this one is maybe not as pretty as Bitcoin Alert, but Bitcoin twenty four seven is kind of the same thing, and it puts a price always up in your uh, in your alerts uh, messages bar, your notifications bar, so you can always get the price in there. And if you buy the upgraded version, which is ninety nine cents. It pulls in from BTCE, uh, all of them. It'll even get the Bitcoin over the counter IRC trading price. Oh, nice. Yeah. I have to get one of these. Yeah. Mm. And this will also do the same thing where it'll give you an alert at a ceiling price or a floor price. I think this one's, yeah, you can get, if you want to just go by the Gox price, you can get it for free. If you want to enable the other exchanges and, and like the Bitcoin OTC, um, you have to pay the 99 cents. See, these are three Android apps that give you widgets. And oh, what's cool too is uh, I think Bitcoin 24 7, you get like, you can have every exchange as, as a widget. So you can have a Gox widget, you can have a, a CampBX widget, a Bitstamp widget. So you can look at all the different prices right from one Android screen. So on my Android device, I just have an entire screen dedicated to everything Bitcoin. So I just flip over. There's all, I have like the top Bitcoin stories, the prices, uh, my Bitcoin apps, everything that I need to do, any kind of Bitcoin related stuff all in one screen. And these kind of complement that. Cool. Yeah. yeah. I just installed this right now. <laughs> Down with the Gox Monopoly, I say. So this yep. is my favorite one. So I'm going to link that in the chat room right now for you guys watching live if you want to go grab that one. And since it's free, it's an easy buy. Um, so yeah, there you go. There's your, there's to get your Bitcoin to get your Bitcoin on the go. Now it's time for the big story. Actually, I'm kind of surprised we didn't start with this. We didn't lead with this. Um, the Bitcoin Foundation has received a cease and desist from California. Now, what's funny about this is uh, Bitcoin. This is really the Bitcoin Foundation. First of all, doesn't really operate out of California. They operate, I believe, they're licensed out of Seattle. 
uh, directly following last month's Bitcoin 2013 conference event in San Jose, California. That, by the way, brought some revenue into the state of California. Oh, what? California's what? Department of Finance decided to issue a cease and desist warning to the conference organizer Bitcoin Foundation for allegedly engaging in the business of money transmission without a license or without proper authorization. What's interesting as well, Drew, is recently the state of Illinois also issued a cease and desist letter to mobile payments processor Square for failing to provide proper licensing in accordance with the state's Transmitter of Money Act. The prepaid card provider NetSpend and six other payment companies also received Illinois' case cease and desist orders. If this practice grows among states, it could have a potentially significant chilling effect on the financial services innovation, especially upon lawful business that are designing infrastructure to support Bitcoin technology. What a bunch well, of horse crap. Yeah, why are, I don't understand, like, they weren't very specific in the article about what exactly California is upset with them for doing is because they were sponsoring an event where where people were using ATMs and exchanging currencies like that. Yeah, this? that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking because they were an enabler and they were going to say, you know, <laughs> yeah. you, set up an, you set up an event, people came in, they transmitted that money. Oh, come right? on. I think that's what it is. And what's funny is uh, outside of maybe that, the Bitcoin Foundation... Really, I mean, they hold Bitcoins to use for, you know, donating purposes and, and using uh, to spend them, but they don't transmit them. They don't, they're not an exchange. Yeah, they're not. And I don't see what they're transmitting. And I wonder, you know, so I think part of this is, is that you have these FinCEN regulations that came down that said, treat these people as money transmitters. And you got to wonder if cash strapped states look at this and go, boom, we got ourselves a moneymaker. It's like giving people tickets on the highway. It's like a revenue generator, and they need the money, and the and the system is di- designed to do this. In fact, people have tried to lobby to get this this money transmitter licensing. Hey, think about it. you got to have licenses in like forty seven of, or maybe maybe it's all of the states. You got to have individual licenses. You can spend up to ten million dollars just getting licensed. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure that's no way you know a, a convenience for the already established into, uh, banking institutions. Right, and the government's making a nice pen, penny off of that, so uh. they have no incentive to change it. And the state of California is going to be able to make some money off this, and they're hard up. And of course, they get to they get to uh, stomp on the new guy who's di- who's a disruptor. And it, oh man, it is so frustrating to watch this kind of stuff over and over again with new technologies that comes up. I, I swear, every new technology that we have watched. From the internet to Linux and open source in general to now to Bitcoin, the established industry attacks it in these most ridiculous ways instead of just learning how to work with it. Yeah, they're, we, they're not interested in people improving the standard of living or, or, or creating jobs or oh, of course creating not. revenue or, or increasing efficiency or doing anything beneficial to society. Here's what, here's what the letter said to them. He says, come to our attention that the commissioner... Uh, to the, it's come to the attention of the commissioner that the Bitcoin Foundation may have engaged in the business of money transmission without having obtained the license and proper authorization required by California Financial Code. You are hereby warned to cease and desist from conducting the business of money transmission in the state. Wow. This is tax dollars at work here, Drew. Cease and desist because they may be transmitting money? Right. Wouldn't that be awesome if, if you could just make people stop doing anything and threaten them with violence for, Bitcoin, for, for possibly doing something? Bitcoin Foundation's like, girl, I'm not even in California. What's your problem? <laughs> Right? Yeah, well, crazy. You're crazy, girl. I guess I, they'll just have none of these uh, conferences in California then. Yeah, screw them. Well, this is not... The, so, I mean, remember how California has the Silicon Valley and yeah. uh, it's supposed to be sort of the heart of tech innovation in the United States and how there's a lot of VCs in California that are currently working on Bitcoin infrastructure software? Uh-huh. I mean, is California this stupid? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's no, why I left. Yeah. I lived there for my whole life. I got the hell out of there. They're going down. I mean, if anybody had a legit 
case to go after them, and not that this is legit on any way, but if anybody did, it would have been the state of Washington, where I live, because that's where the Bitcoin Foundation is registered. Yeah, they're, they're, they're doing whatever they can to try to stifle any of this innovation anywhere. So you don't think we're being like uh, fanboys when we say that? Because I, I got to tell you, we've kind of gotten some pushback. People said, no, you guys are overreacting. This is... So here's what here's what I got. I got to, by the way, people have been using the hell out of BitMessage to contact me. Um, <laughs> I should set up a BitMessage. I don't have one yet. I'll set up a BitMessage address for this show soon. Um, I, I think I've, in fact, Drew, if you want to play with it, I think I figured out a way. There's like a, there's a, so I think we can create a broadcast. So BitMessage is, there's they're, they're just like the Bitcoin addresses and we can subscribe to a broadcast one where both you and I would get the correspondence. They send it to one BitMessage oh. address, but we'd both get it. It's like a DL then. A DL? Oh, what? Dis- DL, uh, distribution list. Yeah. DL, yeah. So that's kind of cool. Anyways, I've been getting a few bit messages uh, from fans of this show, and they were kind of giving me a hard time because we were overreacting. They said, okay, you guys really over the top on this thing. It's not that banks are... Uh, here's, what, here's what the general consensus I, I would boil it down to is. It's not that the banks are attacking Bitcoin. It's that there is a remote possibility that Bitcoin can be used. Well, not remote, but there's a possibility that Bitcoin can be used for money laundering, and they don't even want to have to worry about it. They don't want to be bothered by it. They, it's it's too much hassle for them, and so they just shut it down. I, I don't buy that. I mean, they they accept risk to incur value. They they accept risk to make a profit. So yeah, I don't, that's kind of how, how like the whole loan business else. works and all of that, huh? Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, a, it's a risky thing. People are going to do some nefarious stuff. Oh, I know, should have thought but, of that when I wrote them back. <laughs> I had a crappy response compared to yeah, because that very that, that very nicely puts it as risk is kind of their business. It's just a balance. You know, maybe that's maybe that's the point. Is risk is their business, but it's it's balancing that risk, and maybe they feel that the risk is too high. I think that's I think that's crap. I think they're actually threatened. Yeah, I, I don't think I don't think they're just trying to avert risk. They're, they're, I think there's something maybe not very significant. Maybe it's not like a very overt, but there's there's some funny business going on in the background where I think you know maybe some guys up top are, are perhaps a little worried about perhaps. what this might do to their moneymaker, their multi billion dollar corporation on all their jobs. They might just live to in a tiny degree a bit of fear well, as and, a result of all this. And maybe. you know, um, I guess you know I look at the summation of today's episode. And you say, you know, there's there's this sort of these different banks are working together to shut down funding methods to the different Bitcoin ex- exchanges, primarily Gox. And you have to ask yourself, like, is it worth playing the game? Is it worth joining the system? Or does Bitcoin is Bitcoin's true hope to be this alternative currency that is completely outside the system? And I think so far, everybody thinks no, in order for Bitcoin to be successful, it's got to be integrated in with the system. It's got to be easy to move money in and out of it. But and, what, people, and people say it has to be regulated. What, what What's that mean? It has to be regulated. Well, it has to be regulated in order for it to work in, in the business environment, you know, because businesses won't trust it unless it's regulated because it needs to be predictable <laughs> and there needs to be rules around it. Maybe think, this, isn't, more, maybe this right. isn't the purpose for Bitcoin. Maybe we keep fiat currency for paying our taxes. And well, see, the problem is, is Bitcoin's true potential is if we can use it for, I mean, that's it's real social change is if we can use it as a society sort of universally. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I just maybe it's too soon for that. It, yeah, I guess it is. I mean, it's just, so who knows? I, th- there's no way they're going to give up, you know, uh, their monopoly on, on the dollar at least, or you know, any of these fiat currencies, government sponsored stuff. So, 
it'll have to operate in the background. I don't like the idea of trying to join, you know, to trying to enter that system, you know, get all, you know, I understand that they have to get licenses for legal reasons and all this crap, but we're just playing, everybody's playing this game. It's, it's so stupid. It's so frustrating that why, why can't, why can't people just exchange something for something? Mm-hmm. Why do you have to get a license in each state and then, you know, operate under federal rules and then do like international stuff and then baking regulations? Like what, why can't I just exchange with you? Mm-hmm. Well, That'd be nice. And we'll see where it goes. Uh, one last note: we have a link to this. If you're a Mac user, and uh, you've been getting into encryption, uh, encryption, there's a really, really great software package out there called GPG Tools, which integrates in with the Mac Mail program, and uh, they just started accepting Bitcoin donations. So, uh, if you're a Mac user and want to get your encryption on, we have a link to that in the show notes, and maybe send them a couple of satoshis to thank them. Because you know, shoot. Now's the time. And with the NSA prism stuff and all that, it's like, now's the time for Bit Message, Bitcoin, and GPG. I'm all oh, about yeah. that these days. Uh, let's wrap up, Drew, with a little Litecoin news. Oh, yeah. A little Litecoin talk. The uh, One of my complaints about Litecoin, one of the things that kind of made me stop mining, was that we hadn't seen any action in the uh, actual development community for a little while. Well, that's all changing today. Litecoin 0.6.9.2-final is out. Uh, came out June 25th. And uh, it also includes uh, a new lower fee setting. You have to go in and turn that on, but that's good. So they're lowering the the, uh, the fee there. It's up on GitHub right now, and binaries are available for Linux, Mac OS X, and Windows. And uh, don't forget, after you download the uh, 0.692 version, you have to manually configure the, to be able to use the new transaction. At the, so you have to add like a config file to point it to certain things, right? Yeah, um, I think it, no, I think they have a GUI option to set it. Oh, okay, but yeah, it's in there. You gotta go. You gotta go. Gotta go get that. Gotta go get that. So yay, Litecoin seeing some activity in the development. That's awesome. Um, and then also speaking of our uh, gods, <laughs> in, in that announcement, Gox had where they're having some troubles. They also addressed Litecoin. They said, "Yeah, we're still working on it. We're still working on Litecoin." Uh, they uh, this was via Reddit. They were clarifying some inaccurate speculation in the comments, and they said, "As risky as it is to invoke the name of Litecoin." We must apologize for not keeping everyone up to date. The fact is, well, the current situation means continued delay, but for good reasons. We're looking at July right now, though that depends on a few things. Mainly, we want to do it correctly from the beginning. And uh, you can kind of see every time Mt. Gox mentions Litecoin, there's a big bump in the activity. Yeah, they still got that name recognition. Hopefully, uh, hopefully they can boost the price once they once they uh, you know uh, start using Litecoin. That'd be nice. Now, now I'm liking Gox. You know, I love Gox. I'll switch right back to Gox. Right. <laughs> Well, yeah, I I wonder I I wonder if Litecoin price will go up a a, a ton or if sort of the speculation is going to be built in now now that they've announced this and there won't be maybe a huge price because the price people buy on the rumor and sell on the news. There's there's so little activity in the in like the exchange of it like the bid and ask orders are they're so they're so small like there's such a such a huge spread in the whole Litecoin thing so I don't know maybe they will I hope I hope it goes up and I hope it sustains but I I would I would bet that. You know, once all this stuff kind of culminates, it'll probably jump right back down as it had when they first announced the news. Because when they first announced it, it went from like not like less than a dollar to like three, and then up to six. Yeah, now it went back down to three. You know, once all that settled down, so I, I think there's, there's probably going to be some similar speculation over there. But maybe as they lose their market share, it's going to be lessened. So I don't know. I don't think it's going to be quite as big of a jump as we had seen in the past when they first started talking about how they're going to implement it. Come on, Drew needs to get light going rich. I know. Come on, let me cash out. <laughs> I want to be done. I've been, I've been, I've been staring at the prices for you know Litecoins for for months and stuff. And it's like, come on, man. I just got to get out of here. I want to go back to Bitcoin. But uh, so before we wrap up, what do you think? The price on uh, Bitstamp right now ninety eight dollars. Gox price is one hundred two. You think when we're recording from a week now, it's going to be over one ten, or do you think we're about to start sliding? 
I don't think we'll move for a while. I think it'll be around here for a little while. I'm impressed. Uh, it's it's been as resilient as it has, to be honest. And I very think, true. I think scarcity yeah. plays a big part of that. Um, I think it's going to be up. I'm I'm bullish. I think it's going to be up. I think it's going to be up. I hope so because uh, I bought it 99. Um, I bought it 108. So uh, well, I did <laughs> that too. Back. I bought it 107. I think it was 107 or 106. But only a couple. I only buy a couple at a time. True, true. So it's 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 a little safer that way. Um, all right, Drew. Well, I think we're going to wrap it up. I don't I don't know if we have much else to cover in this week's episode. A ton of things have been going on. Oh, I there is one thing I wanted to mention. Drew has created a uh, interview suggestion submission form that we're embedding in the show notes over uh, starting since last episode. And if you just scroll through the show notes, you'll find a little spot for you to give a name, the person you want to con- you think we should interview, and we're asking that you provide a-, a method to contact because anybody can suggest anybody's name, but if we don't have a method to get a hold of them, it's like shouting to the wind. So we'll have a little submission form. It's embedded in every single episode, and when you when you fill that out, it goes into a spreadsheet that Drew and I are watching, and then we'll we'll draw from that for a future interview suggestions. So if there's been somebody out there. Somebody out there in the Bitcoin community that you want to hear from or somebody who's working on a project you think is really awesome, that'd be a perfect name to toss in there because we love talking with folks. We try to get somebody on every episode if we can. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, everyone. will join us live Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. GMT over at jblive.tv and jblive.info for the audio version. Links to my social profiles and Drew's social profile over in the show notes as well. And uh, links to all the other stuff we talked about. Don't forget to email. It's plan B at Jupiter Broadcasting. Drew, man, have a great week. Yeah, you too. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in this week's episode of Plan B. We'll see you right back here next week. <laughs>